You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. I love you, baby. And if it's quite alright, I need you, baby, to warm me up. Hey, Shut up! Welcome to the junk drawer. Is it on the Google Doc? We're not done with this is, Samurai. This is cocktail. This is a Samurai pod now. This is Samurai pod. Can you put your kimono you away? On set, when they had all the text, they were like, literally had to tell NATO, by the way, this is for a movie. Which also seems like the easiest cover-up to start a war. Right? <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I do know plants pretty well, but I don't think if you dropped me, I would be like, that's a cocaine plant. Like, what is he, a botanist on the side? Because <laughs> we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Ciao and welcome to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Enrico. Ah, uh, anniversary! And with me are my accumbas, eh, my Italiani friends, amici. Hola. Cole Brown. Uh, ciao, Roberto. Hola is not Italian. It could have been. It's a sister language, you know. How dare you. And Bryce Owl. It's Howl with an H. Owl. In Italian, we know the pronounce of the H. Oh, but it's still pronounced Howl. Okay. So, if you could not tell from that intro, which I'm sure if you... Can we do a sidebar real quick? Go I'm ahead, sorry. sidebar. Bryce just reminded me. In high school, in Spanish class... We got to choose our Spanish names. Yeah. And so I was Carlos. And okay. then one time I approached a teacher and I said, wait a second. If I went to Spain or a Spanish-speaking country, I would just introduce myself as Cole. I'm not Carlos. Yeah, true. It doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense. So Bryce would still be Howl. Yeah, Owl. That's how they would pronounce it. So, if you couldn't tell from that intro, if you are a millennial, actually a younger millennial, because we are millennials too, you probably wouldn't recognize that as Frankie Valley. we are doing Jersey Boys. Clint Eastwood's 2014 film, based off of the Broadway show, which is a biopic. Weird to assume no millennials have seen a movie that came out in 2014. <laughs> well, they probably don't know who Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons are. Well, maybe. I, I'm going to disagree with uh, you. Good movie, important movie. Um, it's great Italian film. So, diving in here, let's start with this first category that we always start with, our personal ratings and any extra pertinent information. But you have to do the only thing in Italian accent. Accento okay. di italiano. I'm like an Italian who's lived in America for a long time. Right. Let's hear it. So here's my Italian American. Okay. So for me, um, yes. I'm going to put on a little bit of a padding right now because I'm going to give this right from the get-go 60%. Okay. Uh, I don't know how Mario's going to react to that, but it seems like he's more or less okay with it. I'm okay with that. Okay. Somebody hold me back. Somebody hold me back. And my real reasoning is I just feel like this movie was intended for someone who really loves Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, which I like them okay. Like, it's not like, okay. not my favorite group. I recognize three or four of their major who, songs. Who is your favorite group? Um, have you heard of the the Beatles? Yes, that's mine as well. Continue. Well, they're not even my favorite group. Oh, well. Yeah. But, no, I just feel like the movie was intended for people who are, like, diehard Four Season fans. And so for me to approach it with kind of an average knowledge of them, it, I get lost a lot of times through the movie from a... <clears throat> story standpoint of like how much of this is historically accurate and how much of this is just like narrative fluff and just kind of yeah 
telling the story in a way, more compelling way or something. Fair enough. Well, actually, and we can get into this more later as well, but I think that's always something that's interesting about these types of movies is that at a certain point, what really happened stops mattering and like the history of the Four Seasons becomes what we've seen in the musical and in the movie more real even than like what actually happened because what actually happened happened 50 years ago, but the movie came out five years ago. Right. Um, but for me, I actually, I like The Four Seasons a lot. And in general... What's your I, favorite season? <laughs> Vivaldi. Um, <laughs> I also really like uh, musical movies. Uh, musical plays and musical movies. Me too! Me too, me too, me too! So, believe me when I say this is an extremely mediocre musical movie. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in Mario, our resident movie snob always criticizing every movie and then coming and picking the most mediocre movie I've oh, ever seen. Oh. And since it is so... The most mediocre movie you've ever seen? Average. I gave it exactly a 50. Wow. Fuck you, huh? <laughs> hey. Hey, fuck you. Hey, Chipache. I actually don't disagree with either of you that much. The reason I picked it is because I enjoy watching it and I really enjoy Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons music. However... The movie in itself is just not great. Um, You kind of forget it's Clint Eastwood because he's had so much directorial success. And throughout the movie, you're left to wonder, did he just really love the play and or Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons? Like, why would he want to do this? Um, Because nothing about it feels like a Clint Eastwood movie, except for the part when Gordio is watching a Clint Eastwood movie in the hotel, which we'll (laughs) get into later. Um, But for me, it's really easy to watch, and I really do love the music. The first half of the movie, I feel, is so much stronger than the second half of the movie, and we'll get into that later, but it feels like two parts, of two movies with a weird middle section, and mm-hmm. it just is lost. Right, like, I don't feel like I'm saying something that's outlandish here, but I would, I would have preferred to have just gone to the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons show right. and watched it. I would prefer oh, to see Jersey Boys. Broadway, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I had never seen it, so I, I couldn't compare to the two. Because all the singing portions in this movie I enjoy. Yeah, they're, it almost like they happen in such a fast little snippet of the movie, and then apparently they're breaking up. It's just, it's not well put together. Um, I gave it a 71 because I enjoy watching it. The parts that work really well, like the scenes that I enjoy, I really love, um, but it definitely loses, what's that, 30, 29 points. Yeah. Um, so the Metacritic score is a 54. So Bryce is closest to the pin. Cole was close, though. Mm. I'm six points off. But I know cigar. I know cigar per te, okay? Ah, uh, yeah. And I miss um, One thing I do really enjoy about the movie, which you guys don't have this, is the Italian-American cultural stuff is very accurate. For example, the first scene when Tommy DeVito, who that actor is amazing. He mm. is really good. I think he he's is. in Boardwalk Empire. He is, yeah. yeah. Um, I would. I wish he was in more stuff. I think his name is... Well, he Vincent, can only play Italian, Italian pseudo-gangsters. Ita- uh, Vincent Piazza, I believe his name is. Uh, let me if you check. check that. Um, he is great. He's a great narrator. He walks yeah. into the mom and dad's house. Vincent Piazza. The, the table setting that they're eating dinner is exactly what I would have at my known this house, which is grandma. It's, a, it's the white plates and bowl... Iceberg lettuce with the olive oil dressing. Then you had a plate of spaghetti. Then you'd have a bowl of plain meatballs. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. Plain meatballs and then the pani. Got to the pani, plate of bread. And he walks in. Hey, eat something, right? And like the mom, one of her lines is, uh, 
I don't understand the Italians with these Mamaluk bums. They either end up dead or in jail. Mamalukes means like idiots. It's slang for Italian. So stuff like that I really loved because it reminded me of my childhood. Mm. Um, so that, that bumped it up like almost 10 points for me. Yeah. No, it's very nostalgic. Um, are we sure? I think I'm a little high. I could see it around the 60 range, to be honest with you. I floated around 65 for a while. So I, uh, when I was researching a little bit, I came across a review from Richard Roper. Uh, and then I really thought, like, kind of encapsulated what I was trying to say. <clears throat> he says that the movie captures the electric excitement of the musical, but for every soaring moment, there are 10 minutes of bickering or brooding. And that's kind of how I felt, is that, like, a musical either needs to seem exactly like a play like and sometimes you do see movies that do that like i think the hairspray movie does that where it feels john travolta is playing a big woman yeah and it feels exactly like you're watching a stage musical on your television or get away from it completely so for me and this might be just my nostalgia like i feel like grease being a musical is like a very much of a movie though and not a not a stage musical and and this one kind of goes back and forth and it, sometimes it feels like a Clint Eastwood drama, like you would mention, and then sometimes it's a it, jukebox music. It's almost around. trying really hard to be a Clint Eastwood drama when there's dramatic moments. Yeah, it's scattered and it keeps going back and forth, and it it, it kind of gets a bit confusing. Like like Cole said, like he's like, oh, I feel like I couldn't follow it because I wasn't a big three up four seasons fan. But it's like, yeah, but you're watching this movie and the plot is all over yeah. the place. Like it's talking about Frankie's family, and then it's <laughs> talking about Tommy's mob ties, and then it's them at a show, and you're like. What is, wait, it what? It goes from like, hey, what the fuck are you talking about, huh? Right, yeah. It's, it's weird. So, yeah, would even, you think you were on the dot, or are you, are you happy with your uh, rating? I I think I would have gone even lower if I didn't <laughs> like the music so much. Okay. But I that's what every review says, and that's like, I think what we're saying too, is that like, the music of the Four Seasons is save, saves what is otherwise a pretty yeah. poor movie. Yes. Well, I think one thing that is encouraging that maybe changed my score a little bit is just your input on the Italian homestead. Like, I only know the Italian homestead. <laughs> the Italian homestead based off of what Hollywood has shown me, and so I wouldn't know the difference between what you just described as a very authentic home life yeah. and one that was like more of hyperbole. Yeah. And so to hear that this one was pretty spot on is exciting. Like that part makes it pretty cool for me. Like I am not an Italian. I do not have Italian family members, so it's cool to have a peek into Yeah. And those are the life. those are the types of scenes that you could imagine looking really good on a stage for a musical. Oh, for sure. Like a an Italian I mean, kitchen. Obviously this has a huge Italian audience. It's funny though, even the decor in the house is so accurate of what I grew up with. The clock with the Pope and Sinatra. I mean we didn't have we didn't have the Sinatra. But look in my apartment I have a picture of Sinatra right here. Um, it was just they did that part of the movie very, very well. Um, I don't. Am I sure? Like I said, I could go a little lower. The acting is lost, right? I think Vincent Piazza, who plays Tommy, I think he's very good. Clint Eastwood, kind of getting into tidbits later, cast a lot of the Broadway actors. Right. Uh, so John Lloyd Young, who I think does a tremendous Frankie Valli impression, he's not. He's a Broadway actor, and sometimes he has like these dramatic moments, and he just can't hit that level, and yeah. it kind of takes you out of the movie. For um, sure. And then uh, Michael Lamenda, who they cast to play Nick Massey. Not a great actor. The bass player. But I, like, enjoyed his performance because being a bass player, singing the bass part, like, those people yeah. often fade into the background of the band. He referred to himself at one point in the movie as the Ringo of the Yeah, which seasons. I took offense to. Like, Come on, <laughs> well, Ringo. Yeah, it's like, dang, man, Ringo. Ringo. But it's okay. Shots fired at Ringo. But... Still, but here's the thing. He, he had parts where he's trying 
you can tell he's trying to have that accent. But that just goes with all of the the dramatic moments, like we said, not really yeah. coming up. Like when he yells at Tommy, like you get that he's upset because you've seen it building the whole time. But do you see the build? I'll get into that later. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things. I guess because that's the part of the plot I cared about was actually like the the relationships between the members of the the group that I cared about that part, but I didn't care as much about the other plot yeah. lines that were going on. So let's move now into the next category, efficient fix. Uh, what one change or changes fixes the movie the fastest? Cole, go ahead. Um, I'll go I, first. Just, I, I'm down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of based off of actually what Bryce said earlier is my efficient fix is I think this movie would stand to benefit a lot from just choosing a route. Yes. Uh, and so if the route is that it's going to be stage-styled musical go that route. If the, act, if the choice is going to be heavy drama, go that route. Um, and so I think that is probably my efficient fix is just choosing one of those and steering way more into that side. Now, personally, I would hope it'd be the musical side because it's Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Right. But, um, you know, if, if Clint Eastwood's going to direct it and he doesn't want to give up the drama portions, maybe he just takes more of the drama portions mm-hmm. if it's his directing role. Yeah, I think kind of similar to what you're saying. I just felt like I've said this a couple times already, it feels like, but the plot is too sprawling. Like, there's so much going on. So I mentioned, like, you got the mob subplot, you got Frankie's family, and then you got the interpersonal relationships of the Four Seasons. And for me, like, every time they jump to Frankie's personal life, I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> like, yeah. I, he, he goes home and he gets an argument with his wife, and you're like, oh, Great actress, married by her. The way. She, she is. Mary Delgado. But, like, she, she's been out of the movie for like almost an hour, it feels like, yeah. when he goes back and has an argument with her, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize y'all were yeah. still married. And then he goes back when his daughters run away, and you're like... Random. Like, what? Now she's 16? Like, how, where does she grow up? And then, out of nowhere, like, they solve, they patch everything up, and then it goes away from that plot for 30 minutes, and then does. it comes back, and it's like, yeah, she died now. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? That's something they do, I mean, this is maybe also the same kind of thing you're saying, is... They do a very poor job of aging. And I, oh, I, I was get about it. to like, touch on that. It's like hard to make that happen. Is it though? I don't know. Because my first reaction is like, oh, you just get older actors to play the older versions of them. Because when you see them at the very end oh, in let, gray hair. Let's save that. We'll save it. Let's but save that because that's coming up soon. And that's another fix, baby. Is like, I don't know that I need as many time hops because okay. it, it doesn't look as good. With all, like I said, all of a sudden the yeah. daughter's 16 years old, but he hasn't changed. It makes more sense if you only focus yeah. on their career and understand yep. that their career spanned a couple of decades. But when you bring in the family relationships, yeah. that's where it makes it seem like we, it feels like you're on fast forward yeah. of their biography. So I think we're kind of in an agreement. Mine, again, I have the same comment about the sprawling plot. It doesn't really understand what it wants. Doesn't, doesn't really want to know what it's going to do, huh? Doesn't understand what it wants to be. Does it want to be musical, focusing on the development and breakup of the Four Seasons, or does it want to be a Frankie Valley biopic? And I think what was so ineffective with the divorce, we didn't see this relationship. We see a questionable 15, 16-year-old Frankie Valley who has a five o'clock shadow mm-hmm. and looks <laughs> not his age at all, go on this date with this girl. Next thing you know, they're married. And then, Weird time hop. Yeah, then they has kids. Again, That's a normal time hop to do like first date to marriage. But like, here's the thing. When you brought up the time hop, if you look at the successful movies that did both a musical and biopic, Rocket Man comes to mind and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Very recent, both of those. When they wanted to do time hop in Rocket Man, they cast different actors and effectively did that. What did Bohemian Rhapsody do? It stuck within, like, I don't know, a 10 year frame. Well, so it's easier there, too, because, and they did it a little bit with this, but Freddie Mercury's style changed dramatically yeah. over the years. So 
little bit um, easier for them to go from like mullet Freddie Mercury to mustache Freddie Mercury. Yeah, so I think I would have focused more on just the group. And I, I'll tell you, I don't understand the breakup to this day. I need to read up on it because the first time you hear about it, you get a little bit of interactions with how Tommy is trying to control the group. The first time they hear about it is when they run into the Mafia tie guy before the Ed Sullivan show. Or I don't know if it's Ed Sullivan. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and uh, they do a weird thing of going back in time now and showing you bits and pieces of when mm-hmm. it started to go off the rails. And I thought that was very ineffectively done. Whereas I would rather than just have a linear timeline and show during their success how it started to break up. Another thing I think they failed to communicate is, was Frank, were they living off of scraps? Like it seemed like Frankie Valli, I looked up his net worth. If you don't mind looking that up for me. He's a multi-million dollar singer. It made it seem like he is barely affording a cup of coffee. And he's got to stay in hotels every single night. To scrap together $100, $200 to pay well, off this They debt. want you to presume that all the monetary issues are from Tommy, who blew a lot. I mean, half a mil. But I think $500,000 in the 60s is a crazy amount. But I think they get that in that boardroom, or not boardroom, office scene at, mm-hmm. at Jip the Carlos place. You understand that he's, you know, got this debt. I don't think they effectively conveyed that Frankie was struggling. I don't know if he was poor. Was the band still successful? They had four hits and that's it. I don't know. Yeah, I think the band was still successful. It's just like, I mean, this is like every E! True Hollywood story is that they made a million dollars and they spent a million dollars. But it's even more frustrating because they didn't. Frankie, Nick, and Bobby all did the right thing with their money. And Tommy was literally taking their money. He was taking the money that was for them to pay their taxes from the earnings. And so, you know, that's why. And then Nick has the line about like, wouldn't you think they would drop Tommy? But... Frankie still takes care of him. He's got a net worth eighty million. Tommy yeah. DeVito, twenty million. Yeah. So I mean yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah. like you know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's tough. Before we leave this category, another efficient fix I have is um, talking about it being choosing a route. Either it's going to be a narrative of what actually happened or a musical. Um, and again, I don't think the, all these things have to line up exactly true. But in the movie, you get the sense that what's his wife's name? Uh, Mary D'Angelo. So Mary D'Angelo is the one who comes up with him changing his name. Delgado, sorry. Yeah, to Frankie Valley with an I, because you got it in with an I. I would then like when to I think looked, that was a true story. But when I looked up online, it says he gets it from a country singer named Texas Gene Valley at the time oh. who he liked. Why did they keep? I'm not saying stuff like that. No, I'm kidding. I'm not saying that. I'm like nitpicking, saying I hate that there's a disconnect there. But when there's a disconnect there, it makes me then wonder. Okay, how many of these things were like? What truly happened, or this is just narratively fun? Like when the sign turns on for the four seasons, and he goes, "Oh, look, it's a sign!" I don't want. I actually don't mind the inaccuracies. People had a lot of gripes with Bohemian Rhapsody not being very accurate. I don't care. I just want a good movie. Well, no, I'm just saying that I, I, I don't know enough about the four seasons to yeah, care yeah. about the inaccuracies. Don't I say just, it wouldn't bother. If they're telling me this is true, I want to believe it's I'm true. I'm saying forget about it. Hi. I think it has to do with how what is the goal of the movie. So, like, I think people had a problem with Bohemian Rhapsody. Because it reputed itself to be a biopic. Oh, true. Jersey Boys doesn't. Jersey Boys is a musical. It's a musical based on the music and history. But obviously, I mean, if you're intelligent enough, you assume they're going to take some liberties there. Yeah. Um, Which we aren't. (laughs) So that's why I'm a little bit fine with it. I'm I'm more fine with it in in Jersey Boys than I am with a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody. So the next category, best scene. This is changing. Scenes... Because I don't think you show one scene and sell the movie. You can show them any, any of them singing and be like, it's about these guys singing, and that's the movie. 
Um, so what scenes did you guys enjoy? And this is where I get my 71% from, aside from the Italian stuff. So I'm going to jump in. Okay. I'll give, I'll give one, and then you guys can give one just in case I don't step in anyone's toes. I get goosebumps whenever I watch this scene when they call Frankie up the first time and he sings, I can't give you anything but love, baby. And he like hits on the redheaded girl. Mm-hmm. I love that because everyone there is like, oh my God, this guy's voice is so different. And he realizes I'm going to be bigger than Sinatra, which he wasn't. But <laughs> that scene is awesome. I just wanted more of those scenes. And there's a handful yeah. of them. I think for me, it goes back to what I was saying of like, if it's going to be based off a stage musical, I need to either steer into it or steer harder away from it. And like at the end of the movie, I was, especially we talked about how like the... Pause though. I don't think it was about the musical. I think it's about, right? I don't think they're making the musical into a movie. I think they're just making a movie of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. But they're making the musical into a movie. I I can't compare the two. The musical's called Jersey Boys. No, I know. I'm, I'm saying like... You have Spider-Man Broadway and you have Spider-Man the movie. They're separate things, right? but right? This, is, this is specifically based off of the musical. Okay, I thought maybe they just did a biopic based off of the, no. their lives and stuff. Um, no, this is specifically based off the musical. And you can finally see what that was, I thought, would have looked great at the very end. So we talked about... Yeah, yeah that's I'm, the credits. Okay, yeah, the, the credits. literally the credits. But like right before the credits is them. We've talked about it. It's not great. They're aged. They oh. have these weird monologues. We'll get there. It's not a, it's not a great scene. And then it switches back to them being young again, and they're standing under the streetlight, and they're singing Sherry, yeah. and then they transition into Oh, What a Night, and like everybody's dancing, the whole cast, it feels like what would be the end of a stage musical, like the curtain call, yeah. and I was sitting there thinking, like, where was this the whole movie? Like, <laughs> this is excellent. I love this scene. It's like a really fun mashup of two of their most, favorite, most famous songs. I'm a little bit biased because Oh, What a Night is probably my favorite Four Seasons song. And it's just such a fun scene over the credits. They even have like a freeze at the end of it where they don't freeze the camera so it feels like a musical. Yeah. You can still see them like breathing deeply as they freeze. And it's excellent. And I'm like, why wasn't this in the whole movie? Yeah. Why just say for the credits? So was that your favorite scene? Then? Yes, that was the best scene. Oh. I mean, you could even show that. Yeah, Although, you could show them that. That was a misrepresentation. It's a misrepresentation of the movie. The whole movie is like this. It would no. be a lie, but it would convince <laughs> yeah. somebody to watch the movie. All right, Cole. Um... As a side note, I love a lot of the stuff, a lot of the scenes that Christopher Walken is in, I think. Hey, why don't character. we bring him on the show and he can do... Oh, he's here. Hey, what do you want to ask me? I so, love the Jersey Boys. So your role is Gip DiCarlo, right? Gip DiCarlo. I'm not Italian at all. Kind of a weird choice, but I liked it. Yes, I thought you did a great job, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Thanks. you're here right now. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> um... But no, I think he does a terrific job of being the super menacing kind of kingpin without ever having to display himself being menacing. Christopher Walken is being Christopher Walken. It's great. So there's never a scene where you see him going off the handle. There's never even a scene where you see... And you! Get out of my bathroom! (laughs) Yeah, he's always funny about it a little bit. But you see the people he keeps in his company. And so like all those scenes I feel like play off really strongly from just a a cool watching him standpoint. But I don't know if that really sells the movie. If I'm selling the movie... Mario kind of crapped on this part a little bit, but I actually enjoyed this portion because it was an aspect of their story that I knew nothing about. And I would show the scenes where he's grinding to make ends meet to pay off that huge debt. Uh, Because I think that paints a really clear picture at the non-glamorous side of music in the industry that there's, you see him playing hotel after hotel after bar, 
and you see guys like literally counting out dollars, like single dollar bills right. to pay him. Like counting so out ones. I could, the yeah. first time I watched that, I couldn't believe they had this huge success. And then here's this guy scrapping by. But like, so we, that happens. Like we have Nick Cage right now who's doing that. Like he's oh. taking every movie oh, because yeah, he's so Nick in debt. Cage. So like, it's not that unbelievable, especially yeah. if you're in debt to the mob. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that scene because I think it painted a really opposite side of the spectrum from it just being all glamorous and yeah. you know big shows the other scenes I would mention is when they first meet Gordio when he writes the song for them that scene is great I love that when they all get together you mean Bobby? Bob Gordio yeah oh okay yeah. sorry you said his last name yeah I'm sorry um, I love their first performance of Sherry at the Ed Sullivan show yeah Sherry Sherry baby that's my favorite song of theirs and another cool. like a, a scene that like had the emotional weight that a lot of the movie missed is the first time that he gets to sing uh, You're Just Too Good to Be True. Is that the name of that song? Yeah. When he, he finally gets to sing it, and the Bobby is, is in the audience, and he's like pumped for yes. him, and he gets the horns that he's been talking about the whole movie. I think we got him to sing it in the intro. Yeah. I think we had him Yeah, sing it. that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, that's cool that he came for yeah, that. Really walking. This is yeah, Star Studded. Really. Thanks, Chris. Hey, no problem. Ciao. <laughs> what a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> That was a squeaky door. Yeah, we'll grease it up later. See you, Chris. <laughs> I do also like the scene when they do fight in Jip DiCarlo's at his place. And uh, what's his name? Mass- Nick Massey goes off. This guy's got no like social skills. He uses all the towels. And they're just yelling. And That part gives me such anxiety because they're dealing with such a big issue with this huge debt they have to the mob. And then they had their own squabble amidst that. Then I'm like, you can't, you got, y'all got to table this for later. Yeah. Yeah. This is a conversation for the car ride home. Yeah. Again, those are the only relationships in the movie you care about. Yeah. You care about Nick, Tommy, Bobby, and Frankie. Yeah. And everybody else is just tertiary to that. Yep. I will say the scenes with, um, oh, what's their manager's name? Bob. Cruz. Crew. Yeah. Crew. Sorry. One crew. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. That guy he's is, I think so. I like the little thing where they first meet him and he's like, you got to remember, this is the 60s. They thought Liberace was just a little bit flamboyant. Yeah. No, he said that's theatrical. Yeah, oh, theatrical. <laughs> it reminded me of that Family Guy skit. Oh, yeah. Where Italians won't admit that they might have, you know, someone who was homosexual in their family and they'd say, uh, yeah, he's, he's autistic or whatever. <laughs> he's creative. He's creative. I was like, oh, boy, how the times have changed. Thank God. So, the next going into worst scene. What breaks the movie? I'm going to start it. Two scenes. <laughs> the first one is laughable. And I'm thinking, are they trying to make this a product of as if you're watching a 50s or 60s movie? The green screen when they're driving in a car when they have the girlfriends. I think that was on purpose. It was felt it? like it was. Okay, because it's bad. It feels a little bit like Grease in a good way. Yeah, yeah, it that's takes me out of too. the movie because it doesn't match anything else that's going on. That's so true. that and then the ending scene the makeup when they're aged in the 1990 they're at the rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony and they haven't sang or seen each other in 25 years and they have this old man makeup on and the only one that looks real to me was tommy yeah he looked good the other ones oh my god it's like this didn't get to post-production it's just young face with gray hair it's horrible and then the makeup is caked up it's weird and then they give these monologues but they keep going. It's like, when's this going to end? Right. Yeah, the monologues are weird, too. Yeah, so similar to that. My it's like worst... they had to over-explain stuff they failed to film. Right. That's my worst scene. And on a side note, I, I do I appreciated the times they broke the fourth wall to talk and no, that share, was good. Yeah. share their internal monologue and help me catch up with maybe what was going on at times. But my worst scene is the ending as well. 
and maybe for slightly different reasons, including what you just said. Yes, of course, the makeup's bad. Their aging process is bad. But I titled this as my own comment of this is the Return of the King ending, where <laughs> literally there's like four endings. Like I right. feel like somebody who <laughs> was writing this movie approached Clint Eastwood and said, hey, we could end it in one of four ways. And he just said yes. Because <laughs> you have them singing as old people, then they spin around and then they're young. Then they go under the street lamp and sing as young. Right. Then they do a closing musical number. Then they have the freeze frame, not freeze frame, but just like they're frozen in place. Like they the jump with an anchorman, they jump. <laughs> New yeah. suits! Yeah. So I just feel like you can just choose one of those and let the movie end there. And I would most prefer to end with a dance number. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I did think that scene was bad. It's not my worst scene, though, because I thought that what I picked was more symptomatic of what's wrong with the whole movie. I think the fight between Frankie and his side piece, Lorraine, well, I guess she's not a side piece, he is divorced from his first wife. A journalist? Yeah. Um, and it's the worst of a number of scenes like this that we kind of talked about, that in this movie, I only care about the relationships between the four seasons. We can get married. Right. Well, you and Tommy? So I, <laughs> I don't care about the relationships with Frankie and his family, or his, his side girlfriend here. And so, like, there's this argument, and, and I know it's bad because I'm sitting there thinking, I should care what happens, and I don't. Like, I don't care if they break up. I don't care if they stay I together. I agree with you. I, 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 I didn't be over. know they were a thing. Right. Me I want too. the scene be over so I can go back to watching the four seasons, That's the so two true. four season stuff. Hey, Frankie, I thought of everything you knew. When you're sick of the Little League. <laughs> right. So, yeah, and, and that like, those scenes also, like, when it's uh, Tommy and Frankie starting to argue over Lorraine, you're like... I don't really care. Like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. what is going on? So I think that's my worst scene, but it's representative of a number of scenes where they get away from the part of the movie that I care about. Yes. Cool. The next category. Hey, Stugatz! What does that mean? Stugatz is just, it's an Italian-American slang. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just like, hey, idiot. Hey, this guy, right? Right. Uh, so like I touched on earlier... I like this movie a lot more than you guys just because of the Italian appeal. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm very proud to be Italian, 100%, full blood. Yes, sir, but... Um, <laughs> You're from Bologna. No, my, I'm half Bolognese and half Sicilian, all right? Mm, that's good sauce. Um, I'm watching this, appreciating it. It's an important movie for Italians, a lot of good artistic Italians. But is it the best Italian movie? Obviously, no. Yeah. So I just want you guys to talk about spoilers. Some favorite Italian movies. I'm gonna go first again. Okay. Because I don't want you to talk over me on these ones. Okay. Godfather Part One. Okay. Godfather Part Two. You think those are Italian movies? <laughs> Funny. He's French. And then all there's the Rocky movies. Like Rocky is so important. So, okay. So and my Good, Goodfellas. Okay. So Goodfellas is an interesting one because it's Goodfellas is much more about being an Italian-American than Rocky is, I think. So the very first Rocky movie is a lot more about being an Italian-American. The rest of them, they drop the Italian. He's just the The Italian-Stallion. They still call him the Italian-Stallion, but it's not really about... You just... I like it because we, as a people, finally get a hero. Yeah. Goodfellas gives you an interesting dive into it and, like, the background that, like, some of them are half Italian, half Irish, and that, like, makes them lower. Yeah, I don't like that. I think De Niro Uh, Yeah, De Niro and... um, Ray Liotta's well. character yeah. is also half a time. But Joe half Pesci Irish. saves it. Yeah. Right, so that's that's kind of interesting though, but like it's good for that. But obviously the best movie about Italian Americans has to be what is arguably the best movie ever made. Yeah. The Godfather. Which Cole's never seen. I've never seen it. Get the fuck out of here! Ah, Stugatze! Too loud, too loud, too loud. 
Well, um, what were you going to say, Cole, since you've never seen The Godfather, so you have to pick something else? That's so, your, well, that's your answer, though. <laughs> I'll choose The Godfather once I've seen it. I'm sure it's a, a great little film. Great little flick. Real it's delightful. A, yeah, very... Probably a nice little 20, 30 minute or Nope. <laughs> oh, well, it's three hours and four parts. The <laughs> opening wedding is about 50 minutes. <laughs> the opening, yeah. and it feels like it's, like, in your memory of the movie, it's like 5% of the movie, but it's, it's an hour long. I want that wedding. <laughs> and we'll talk about that when we do The Godfather. Right. <laughs> you come to me. You come to me. On the day my daughter is to be married, you ask me to do this for you. A favor. A favor. For you know money. it, you see. Well, I know it from pop culture. Kill someone. I'm going to uh, fucking kill you if you don't choose this movie. I'll choose a better movie. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> my quick sidebar is obviously we want to clarify this is not... Like, Italian movies exist in the foreign sphere. Like, there yeah, are truly we, Italian I think movies. We mean about so, Italian yeah, let me Italian jump, let me jump in there, though. Okay. So I studied abroad in Bologna. Bologna. Yeah, Italy has the number one ranked. I don't know how they rank this, but they call them doppiatori, doppiaggio. What do they call it in English? Dub, like dub movies. Yeah. Their dubbing industry is amazing. You watch a movie. I went and saw several movies like Django. It looks very accurate, right? And they get actors who play that actor to stay on that actor. So if you got a guy dubbing for Leo, he's every movie that Leo's in. It's consistent. Their films are lower budget. They love American films. Well, and then, so, like, some of the most famous, like, actual Italian, like, made in Italy movies that I know of are the quote-unquote spaghetti westerns, which were directed by Italian directors meant to emulate western movies, which are obviously a very distinctly American-style movie, and so these Italian movies were meant to emulate American-style movies. The most famous one I can think of, sorry, Claude, I mean, is Life is Beautiful, Roberto Benigni, he's, like, the most famous Italian comedian ever, so go ahead, I cut you off. No, you're good. I think on just another little sidebar of that is, from time to time, I appreciate just a truly like foreign film. Like I can I can ride with just an Italian film with no subtitles and just watch it for like not getting too artsy here, but like just the beauty of yeah the countryside, the people. It's awesome. But my you mean, best like in the Godfather or exactly. like in Casino Royale, Casino Royale, countryside. Exactly. Great Italian movie. Best Italian movie though has to go to my cousin Vinny. Oh, oh that I mean, is, that's a that's good one. Actually, a great answer. I thought you were going to give us a troll answer. Not a troll answer. I love Marissa Tomei. Oh, Have we done gosh. that on the pod? We've no, talked about we it before. Okay. We've we talked about it. I think it was picked over. I think it was picked over. I've told my wife several times that she needs to own the floral romper that Marissa Tomei owns in that movie. Dude, you could edit that Marissa right. Tomei in that movie might be the hottest woman to me I've ever seen. Ever. She's She's incredible. She's Italian. She's Ralph smart. Macchio, Joe Pesci. She's Joe got Pesci. the accent. And I also get to just give myself bonus points here because Joe Pesci is in that movie by Cousin Vinny, and he's also the character from "quote unquote" Jersey Boys. He's in. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah. get that's one of my tidbits. Me yeah. as well. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Right, Karate Kid also a good one. Yeah. Just but, if there's an Italian in it, I'm kid- I'm calling it an Italian movie. So you got to get lawyer. Yeah, my cousin Vinny. <laughs> Fun note: I have a cousin Vinny. First time I watched it, I watched it with him. Yeah, shouts to Vinny. Yeah. Also a great Italian movie. Or a series. Everybody Loves Raymond. Jabra! Jabra! I can't believe how many people we've had to visit tonight. (laughs) Hey! Thanks, guys, for having me on. Is he going to (laughs) leave? See you, Ray. Is that Ray Romano? I love his movies. Maybe they could share a cab. (laughs) Maybe. Uber, probably. Um, So the next category. (laughs) We've gotten off track here. They busted the balls. They busted the balls. Tommy DeVito quote. That was kind of a Christopher Walken Italian. They <laughs> busted the balls. Rompe uh, <laughs> as we would say. Um, Tommy gives a lot of good advice to when he breaks the fourth wall, and he gives it to, to Frankie. Um, 
I'm going to read some of his quotes, okay. and then I'm going to ask you guys what quote or piece of advice you took away from the movie. So, these are just a couple of Tommies. Here's one for Mary, actually. If it's such... it's uh, Frankie walks in and says, Isn't this a nice place? When they go for dinner, she goes, It's a pretty nice place. They don't sell slices. That's how you can tell. So that's number one. <laughs> this one's from Tommy. Marriage is not love. Marriage is take a shave while your wife sits on the can and clips her toenails. That's a good one. Another Tommy one. You shoot somebody, you got to shoot all the witnesses too. That's a good one. And uh, I'm going to save mine. But those are just a handful. So you guys go ahead. What's your life advice? Piece of advice. Take away. So my you gotta favorite. Got to do it with the accent. My favorite piece of advice actually comes from Sir Christopher Walken. Okay. At the very beginning. Um, so very opening of the movie, Tommy walks in the barbershop. Frankie is shaving Jip, this like massive <laughs> crime boss. And Tommy just bursts in and startles him. And he nicks Jip on the neck while he's shaving him. It's and a nick. Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, man, like you just cut this like crime yeah. lord on the neck. And uh, Christopher Walken goes, it's fine. What's well, a little blood between friends? <laughs> and it's like, first of all, that's a good quote. And then that's kind of like the quote that's emblematic of the whole movie of like, he, you know, he cut on, it was on accident, but what's a little blood between friends? Yeah. That yeah. was my favorite one. I love their relationship. Yeah. He just, and then he like, are you doing your lessons? Like they, they all keep asking think, if he's doing his lessons. they all know that he's going to make it out. He's I know. Make... That's really cool. Yeah. I wish I had a community that supported me. You got one. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the small community moments they show, like how many times he has a run-in with the police, and he, they go, are you supposed to be home before 11? Frankie. Yeah. yeah, they're like... Frankie, go home. The cop looks the same in every town, except yeah. that guy. <laughs> um, so, I don't know if it's so much advice as much as like I just love some of Tommy's lines. So... As a character, he plays off very similar to me to Worm from Rounders. Like somebody yes. who's sort of a deadbeat. Great but comparison. They have a huge history that they can't just give up on it easily. And so even though he. Rolled up Kings over Aces, man. <laughs> you should have played the Kings, man. <laughs> um, and so there's just several times where he doesn't really apologize for doing something terrible. He more so just like continues to stand his ground further, which I can appreciate at times. Like I would hope that he's more he, amenable. He but. is a cliche, stubborn, hard headed Italian. Like it's so true. But one of the things I liked is at the very end, he's giving his, his kind of talk to the camera. And he says, actually, now I work for that guy, Joe, Joe, Joe Pe- Pesci. Joe Pesci. You know, I now work for him. We were driving through the old neighborhood. And he said, what did you, Joe Pesci's talking to Tommy. He goes, Tommy, what did you think you were like when we were kids, when you were younger? And Tommy's like, I thought I was a pretty upstanding guy. And Joe Pesci goes, you were the biggest prick that ever existed. <laughs> but we were nice to you because we all needed something. Um, and I think it's just like, a, for me, it was like a little bit of a, moment of, yeah, I want to be known as a really good guy and actually known as a good guy, not like, I think I'm a good guy, and when I get 30 years from now, I look back and somebody's like, hey, by the way, you were like a yeah. dick for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. they liked you out of fear, kind of. Um, so Some other tiny ones, if I can just... Go ahead. As long as you don't steal mine, I'm going to these aren't advice. The these aren't advice. These are just hilarious moments for me from Tommy. When he asks him what size shoe he is for Bob, he's like, ten and a half. Uh, he walks in, he's like, oh, perfect. Hey, ten and a half. And he opens up, he's like, hey, this is only a left. He's like, yeah, they only ship the lefts. They'll be shipping the rights next week. Get the lefts this week. Next week, get the rights. Hey, I don't want any of your stolen goods. Ah, what are you talking about? They fell stolen off a truck. Stolen goods. They fell <laughs> off a truck. <laughs> what, do you want some furs for your mother? We have furs. Some pearls? You want some pearls? Oh, you want the pearls. Okay. Well, Tommy's special. <laughs> yeah, I love him as a character. I want to see more of that guy. Come on over, Tommy DeVito. He's alive. He's 91. Yeah. Um, so All here's of them mine. Are alive except for Nick. So here's mine. Fun fact. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. 
Here's mine. Ready? When Frankie sings at the club for the first time and he's taking the redheaded girl he sees in the audience on a date, mm-hmm. Tommy gives him his keys. You want the keys of the car? He goes, Tommy's me... being a real douche about the keys. Yeah, he goes, let me give you some advice. There's two types of women, all right? There's type A and type B. Type A, they're really easy. They jump right into bed with you, boom, boom, boom. Then later on, they break your balls. Then there's type B. Ask Nikki about type B. You got to whine, you got to dine. Then later on, what do they do? They break your balls. They bust the balls. He's right. That's the best advice. That's why I, you know, wine them and dine them. And uh, 69 them. No, Whoa. just kidding. Whoa. But <laughs> a couple of great other quotes. His dad in the courtroom. Graziato per tutta la vita. Just calls him. He just says you're a disgrace for the rest of your life. Yeah. And um, Actually, I did want you for the, those moments because it's a couple of times where they just jump straight into what I assume are Italian curse yeah. words. And I needed you there to translate. Frankie no mange. He didn't eat. I will say this. The slang is so spot on. It's perfect. It's exactly what Italians say. Stugatz, Mama Luke, we always say that. Clint Eastwood, famously Italian. Funny. (laughs) (laughs) Also, real quick, quick plug. Frankie Valli's original last name, amazing. Castelluccio? Yeah. I mean, he couldn't use it for his stage name. Too long for a marquee. Yeah. But Frankie Castelluccio in the Four Seasons. Quattro Stagioni. So, next category. It's just too good to be true. I uh, can't take my eyes off of you. What would I be like? You're, what do you mean? Would I be like heaven to touch? Oh, boy. <laughs> I hate this. Do you want to hold me? I want to hold you so much. Thank you. Bryce is uncomfortable. He's taking his shirt off, though. And I'm cutting Mario's head off with a chainsaw. So, it's just too good to be true. Like I said, it's my favorite Four Seasons song. Or no, my favorite one is Sherry. That's why my second one. What's your guys' favorite Four Seasons song? Bryce touched on it earlier. Yeah. Oh, What a Night, December 1963. Technically the name of that song. It's really good. They open with the, like, piano riff. And I, like, I was instantly invested because I love that piano riff. I'll learn it for you. And they closed it, closed with that song you as well. You want it, you've got it, okay? I think I, think I would have been five points lower if they hadn't opened and closed with that song. <laughs> they opened the movie with it? It's oh, just yeah, a yeah, piano yeah, riff, yeah. but it's, it's yeah. Uh, mine is, like I said, Sherry. It's just, I think the range that Frankie Valli has, that song shows you how different his voice was from any other singer. Mm-hmm. So Also, like, just quick, quickly perusing, impossible, like, how many number one hits they rattled off in, like, a short amount of time. It was crazy. Yeah. You had <laughs> Big Girls Don't Cry, uh, Sherry, yeah. um, like this Walk is, Like a Man. This is more or less concurrent to the Beatles in the United States as yes. well. So, I mean... The Beatles. That's pretty impressive. Funny you said that. What, two things I'm thinking during this movie. Uh, where's my Frank Sinatra biopic? Let's bring that back up later. Remind what me to bring that back Frank up. Frank Sinatra documentary is what yeah, I mean about his true. mob ties like this. Right? And then where's my Beatles pick, biopic? Um, I well, thought yesterday was going to give us more about how the music was made and it failed to do that. Yesterday wasn't supposed to be about yeah. No, I know. I just no. have these expectations. Unrealistic. I did like Across the Universe a lot. Haven't seen it yet. It's I good. have to watch that. So cool. like, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of nuanced Beatles, so it's not like true Beatles. I feel like for me, a lot of times, I'm more interested in a documentary than I am a biopic. Well, why don't you go watch a net, like a friggin' Nat Geo movie with the fucking brother from Halloween Town, man. But right? like, I want... I care more about it being accurate and true than it being Aww. entertaining a lot of times. All right. What are you, a lawyer? No. I hey, still got some. Maybe you should. I do you. What I got to do? Hey, you hired, all right? Um, Boss is the fire people. He hires people. He inspires people. <laughs> Michael Scott. So, 
for me, the music in the movie obviously is great. Like I like a lot of their stuff. I think one thing that they lose me a little bit on is I think they let some songs represent too many scenes. So when they break into the church, they sing Love Like Sunday Morning, where that song is. I want a Sunday kind of love. That song, right? I don't. That's so not their it, song, though. Oh, is it not? No. no. Okay. Well, if not that one, then one other one that I saw then was My Eyes Adored You was the song My he sings. My Eyes Adored You. It's a great scene. Chris yeah. Walken starts crying. Well, he sings it there. Yes, yes, yes. Then he sings it to his daughter when she says, will you sing me to sleep? Oh, and then it plays when she dies. And then it's playing again when she's at her funeral. Yeah. And so I think sometimes in a movie it's great to return to, so you have the scene where he sings it to Christopher Walken. He's like, hey, that's my mother's favorite song. Thank you so much for seeing it. So it becomes this very impactful moment. So when you harp back to it later, it's going to borrow from those feelings before and add to it now. But I think when they do it three different times, it kind of defeats the yeah. impact. It busted Well, if it had always been the song that represented his relationship with his daughter, yes. it would have been more impactful yep. at the funeral. Yeah. But the first time you hear it is the Christopher Walken scene. If the first time you heard that song was a scene where he's at the birth of his daughter, and then he sings it to her as a lullaby, and then they play it over the funeral. Did he even have sex with his wife to make the daughter? We don't know. Where's that sex scene? <laughs> okay. I want so, him to go, ah, ah, ah. Oh, gosh. He <laughs> don't need that. He's having sex. But ah, that's not my favorite song from the movie. Like, it is a song that I liked a lot because I didn't know anything about it before. But my favorite song from the movie is what we just started that section with, which is, you're just, just a good teacher. Yeah. Great song. Love those horns. Love the horns. Hey, you think we can get like a saxophone? <laughs> and they're just Frankie, like, I'll get your whole horn section. <laughs> so, that leads us into our next one. Diddly Beats, huh? It's presented by Squala Pasta. Okay? <laughs> Squala Pasta, what is a Squala Pasta? It is a strainer for your spaghetti. But it's so much better when you say it, the Italian word. Squala Pasta. Squala Pasta. Squala Pasta. And <laughs> Yes. <laughs> So this is our section for fun internet research. I have a ton, so why don't you go well, first, yeah. Cole, or Bryce. Okay, I'll go <laughs> Sorry, first. Sorry, Bryce, I hurt your feelings. Uh, and I'll defer this to Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you up. <laughs> so I only have two. They're small ones we've actually mentioned. Both Whoa, of them. your bits are small. And yeah. I do reserve the right to interrupt you if you st- try to steal mine. That's yes. fine. So we've all talked about Joe Pesci in this one. Damn it, Bryce, this was going to be mine, but go ahead. It, it is a small one, but... So I looked that up because I thought to myself, that can't be true. But Joe Pesci really was friends with Frankie Valli, and he really did inv- introduce them yep. to Bobby. Like, yep. that, that's a true story. Cool actor they got to play him. Do you recognize him? Uh, I did. That's my tidbit. Go yeah, for it. Okay. What is it? His name is Joseph Russo. Yep. And he plays Joe Pesci in the movie, who finds Bob Guado, or Gallardo. Gallardo? <laughs> oh, is it Gallardo? It's Gordio. Yeah, yeah. How do you pronounce that? But I recognize him because he's in the Harvest Festival episode of yep. Parks and Rec. He's, he's a lot the guy that Ann Perkins makes out with. Oh, he looks wow. different. He's beefed what up. A dude. Yeah, he's yeah. super. He super looks like strong. Jersey Shore Ronnie. He's yeah. like, I don't mean to brag, but uh, I'm in the hospital like all the time. Seeing these abs, remember? That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I remember that character. Yeah, um, he's like, oh, I remember those abs. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci being indirectly in this movie. Going off that too, did you get the callback to Joe Pesci that they had? Uh, he says. I said so it's something that referenced oh, the Joe Fellows line. Funny yeah, how. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh boy, that's too obvious. <laughs> it's such a such a great line. Love love Joe Pesci. Um, my other fun tidbit, and it's really just a question, and Mario kind of mentioned this before as well. Is this the randomest Clint Eastwood movie? Like yeah. at the end, like I knew it was directed by Clint Eastwood, knew it was produced, but when directed and produced by Clint Eastwood pops up at the end, I'm like. 
oh yeah, like I forgot that <laughs> yeah. as I was watching this very distinctly un-Clint Eastwood movie. Yes. And like, Clint Eastwood has directed and produced a ton of movies over his career. He's, he's dark. He's very prolific. They are usually dramas, which is I think why we talked about a lot of the drama stuff was incorporated, but... Like, if you just look at his filmography and, like, Jersey Boys is in there, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> is he from Jersey? Like, why? I don't think so. Man. It's funny. So, it kind of steps on one of my tidbits. John Favreau was pegged to direct this. I think that might have been better. Originally. So, he wanted to not... He, like I said earlier, Eastwood cast a lot of the Broadway actors. Uh-huh. Um, the guy who auditioned for... I think his name is Eric Bergen, who, who auditioned for Gaudio... He had played him on Broadway before, and Favreau was like, nope, I don't see it. You're not cast at all. As soon as Favreau drops out, Clint Eastwood comes on, he, he got uh, first audition, he, he cast him on the spot. Wow. Which, he doesn't look nothing like the actual guy. Yeah. Neither does Nick Massey, but the guy who plays Nick Massey. But anyways, leading into my, is that all of yours? Yeah, that's it for me. Um, so I mentioned earlier the clock had the Pope and Sinatra on it in the, in the Castelluccio household. Um, that was kind of a callback to... Sinatra started his career by singing in nightclubs owned by Jip to Carlo. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty pretty cool. So that's now hearing that. Like, I wish they would have referenced that a little bit in the movie. Maybe they do in the play. I'm not sure. But that gives you a sense of why everyone says, oh, you're going to be bigger than Sinatra. And why Jip has this kind of a history with singers. Like, are you doing your singing lessons? We think you have the talent to make it big because I single-handedly... Have you know, kind of brought Sinatra up. Uh, well, I think they're assuming that the audience is smart enough to know like all the Sinatra connections of Sinatra being from New but, Jersey. Yeah, but and I think they mentioned go- it enough times that True, you get it. But like, that he is wants to be so Sinatra. that's such a minute detail that unless you're a fan of the Four Seasons, like you said, or if you're or maybe our parents' ages, like my parents grew up with this kind of music because it's Italian stuff. Yeah. But maybe you knew that little detail. I don't know. It's not necessary, but it's kind of cool to know, okay, Jip had literally a relationship with Sinatra, and now he's trying to bring Frankie Valli. Oh, I mean, that specific detail, obviously I didn't know, but like the idea that any kid growing up in Jersey oh, in yeah. the 50s and 60s yes. would have idolized Sinatra yes. is like, any of Italian course. Any Italian idolized Sinatra, yeah. yeah. Like especially someone from Jersey. Yeah, true. Do y'all know if so? This is kind of a tidbit, maybe. But do y'all know if the scene where they sing Sherry on the radio and they're just doing it indefinitely, like a guy's locked himself in and they're just playing it and playing it and playing it on loop. You had the police outside trying to break in to stop them. Is that well? That was so they shot it differently. The police are trying to break into the studio of that radio station because the guy won't stop playing on the radio. Oh, I know. It's away from where they. I, I, I know they're not singing it live. Then I'm oh. just saying. Do you know if that actually happened in history? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it was a cool way to show that, like, again, the Four Seasons mania was almost equal to what would have been Beatlemania at about the same time. It reminds me a little bit of a movie I want to do later on. Uh, that Thing You Do, Tom Hanks. Yeah. They have that one huge hit, and it's played all the time on the radio. I just love that 50s, like, pop. Like, that's my favorite Beatles is, like, early, late, like, 59 to 63 Beatles. Right. It wasn't so much of a question of like historical accuracy, and I'm debating it. Tough, you it did. It's just more like it's a really cool premise where you I, I fail to realize how much power is in radio because there's literally no way for them to stop it unless they get into the room. Yeah, like they can just keep putting things over the radio waves. Yeah, like, it's not like a turn off switch. You can get a guy fought, and if you wanted, to. yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any other tidbits? I shared about one, Joseph Russo. Oh, the Joey Russo yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, fuck me, right? Yeah. So last category, guys. 
Does this belong in the uh, junkie drawer? Ah, the junkie drawer. Junkie the drawer. Drawer the junkie. Ah, the junkie spaghetti drawer. <laughs> I think so. I think it belongs in the junk drawer. Just because, like we said, it's a kind of a not completely working adaptation of a musical into a movie. Um, and so, like, I would not be surprised to find this in the $5 bin at Walmart or Target. So I, I think yes, absolutely. I think yes as well, but not not always for like just very different reasons. But I almost see this even being something where it's is the it's in the junk drawer because of overflow. Like a bunch of copies were produced, assuming it would sell well, and then it didn't. And so now it's in like the bin, and there's like two hundred copies of this next to like three copies of Triple X. Wow. I would like to think sixty to seventy percent of the budget for the or not the budget the. Uh, Revenue for this movie came from New York, New Jersey area. <laughs> well, so speaking of that, just looking at the numbers, the budget was estimated to be about fifty-eight million, okay. and the box office was only sixty-seven million. What so, a flop! Yeah, not a, oh not a successful gosh. picture. I'm sure he had fans of the musical who said, "I don't need this." Too. Yeah, I'm I sure. was excited to see it. I saw it with my parents, and I thought it was really cool. Um, I just but, think again, and I've said a version of this probably ten times, like. I would just rather listen to the Jersey Boys soundtrack than watch this film. Wow. If they made yeah. like a Jacksonville Boys movie about white people, you guys probably love it more. <laughs> probably not. That would be a weird movie. <laughs> I call Affluent white Americans have always had it the hardest. It's not always about hardship. I put this in the junk drawer as well. Because um, like we said, I think it's a mediocre musical. I think it's an easy watch that you can put on. I mean, was it PG-13? It's rated R. Is because it? of the language. They cuss a lot. Do they? A lot. I, I, Lots oh, yeah, of yeah. F-bombs. Tommy throws a lot. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy's... Yeah, that's true. I'm surprised there wasn't more, like, drug abuse than a drug showing, like, of the drugs and stuff. And my only counter comment on it being an easy watch is that it is a little long. You're right. Okay, I will say oh, that. I, I say easy in the sense that the scenes that we said work are fun to watch and you can have it on. But yes, I remember thinking, why is this so long? Yeah, yeah. Cut I'm sure, a third of it out. I'm sure that's what some of our listeners are thinking right now. But I remember watching this movie. One of the reasons I knew it wasn't good is because I like kept getting up to do other things while I was watching it. And so at one point I had to go to the bathroom, so I paused it. And like they get a know, boop. on Netflix, when you Be pause shoddy. it, it shows you how much is left. And it says like almost an hour is left. And I was like, there's no way Wait, there's almost... this a- is on Netflix? Yes. I yeah. fucking rented it. Jersey Boys is on Netflix right now if you guys want to watch it. Fucking um, But I remember... Netflix. <laughs> I remember being like, there's no way there's an hour of this movie left. I thought it was almost over. Like, I thought we were wrapping this thing up. Was this and the first time you had seen it? I, uh, yes, this was okay. the first time I had seen Same this movie. Same with you, Mm-hmm. So I remember just being, saying out loud, like, oh, come on. Like, I'm by myself <laughs> watching this movie. I was just saying, did you watch it with your wives? I did Without not. sounding uber-masculine, you know... Women can like musicals, so I'm thinking maybe the maybe there was a different audience that it captured, but perhaps you didn't watch it with her. I did not, but I also exist in Bryce's opening comment where I really like lots of musicals. I typically love musicals. Yeah, same here. I would like to see a straight up musical. I haven't seen La La Land. I heard that's like a straight musical. I did not like La La Land. Yeah, I would not recommend La La Land as a musical for a musical. I did just get on the new hype train again in my heart where I want to go watch Les Mis again because I I haven't seen that one. I really like Les Mis. If you want like a half. Biopic half. Well, and a lot of the best Rocket Man is just phenomenal. A lot of the best musicals aren't movies; they are stage musicals. But yeah, you, you, know you got to get the soundtrack for mm. that. Let's take a trip. Your PSA is just to go to the, go Mark to the Wahlberg and Will Ferrell hey, loved it, and other the guys. 
Yeah. Jersey Boys, outstanding. You really <laughs> underselled it. <laughs> so with that, we say arrivederci, ciao, buonanotte. Sherry, Sherry baby, Sherry, Sherry baby, Sherry. Oh boy. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time.